Welcome everybody to the Locked On Longhorns podcast. My name is Patrick. It is Tuesday, March the 3rd, which means it's time for Twitter Tuesday. Each and every Tuesday, we're taking your questions, not just on Twitter, Facebook, email. If you got our number, text us. We'll answer your questions. Uh, right now, I want to welcome in my co-host with me each and every day, Monday through Friday, Cami and Griffin. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing over there? Uh, I'm good. Um, it's time for us to get into this Tuesday, and and I'm hoping we're going to get to talk a little more football today. What do you think? I'm always ready to talk some football. All right. So, like I said, each and every week on Tuesday, we're going to take some questions. So, Cammie, what did you find for us today? I found an, actually a fantastic question on Twitter earlier this morning. Um, from Xavier Forte, and he wants to know what combination of the offensive linemen do you think will be the starting five to open up spring ball? Wow, my uh, longtime friend Xavier bringing the heat. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Offensive linemen, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Samuel Cosme is going to be your starting left tackle. Does that seem fair? Oh, for sure. That's probably the... Only, I would say, for sure, starter on the offensive line. The rest is probably fairly young. Uh, could be. Um, you have the young guys. Let's talk about them real quick. The incoming class. You have Jake Majors. He's going to kind of be in the, the mix for center, I think. Uh, let's see. You have the offensive tackle in Andre uh, Carrick, who is also going to be in the mix. But he, he won't be in there for spring. He's going to come in in the fall. Uh, he was not an early enrollee. The guys that are there that I think are going to be in the mix are uh, Denzel Okafor, Junior Angelau, uh, Derek Kerstetter, who was the starting right tackle. Um, you know, possibly he can move inside to take Shackelford's spot. Uh, Rafidi uh, Germay. So, and then Topi Amade, I think, are the names that we're really looking at as far as who's going to be in the mix, who's going to play. Um, on the offensive line, like I said, uh, jokingly said Cosme, you know, could be in the mix, but we all know he's going to be there. Um, you know, he decided to come back. And, and so were you were you at all surprised that he sent his information into the NFL Draft Advisory Board to see kind of where he stands in the NFL Draft before making a decision on coming back for his uh, redshirt junior year? particularly I mean I know he got the NFL evaluation which I think was smart just to kind of determine where he's at at the moment which I believe would be probably in this draft class of mid uh, mid to yeah probably a fourth or fifth round pick or so in the 2020 NFL draft at least but I think he made a smart decision coming back I mean the opportunity that presents itself um, for the 2020 season for him he's going to be like we mentioned anchoring the offensive line um, he's he's a for sure starter he could end up becoming if he has another solid season probably a first or second round draft pick so I think he made the smart decision, and he was kind of just filling out where he was at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a smart thing to do, like you said. I mean, even um, even Sam Ellinger, he went ahead and and put in his information as well. I think that's just a commonplace for players. I know there was some freak out initially by Longhorn fans, like, oh, no, are we going to lose Ellinger? Who's going to play quarterback? Is it going to be, you know, Casey Thompson? Is Roshan going to go back to quarterback? Are they going to lean on the young guy in Hudson Card? You know, so I think, you know, it's just try to figure out where you're at. And 
obviously. Uh, I think with how Ellinger is, he wanted to come back. Same thing with Cosme. I think, like you said, let's just see where we stand. But I'm going to ask you a question. I know it's Twitter Tuesday, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you one, Cammy. Who do you think is going to emerge uh, at wide receiver in the spring? Yeah, that's actually a great question as well, and it's a tough one for me in particular just because I have a few pet cats, as you know, at this position uh, going into the 2020 season with Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington in the slot. But I'm actually going to go ahead and say Brennan Eagles here. I believe he's expected to start as the X receiver with Colin Johnson heading to the NFL, and it's clear his teammates obviously expect a lot of him this season. I know both Colin Johnson and Devin DuVernay have both expressed that Eagles is the next man up in a way. So I think the potential surrounding him is through the roof right now. He played in 11 games last season as a sophomore and started six times. He's had, he actually last season had the two longest touchdown catches. Um, and at 6'4", I think he's very capable of a breakout season um, as a junior in 2020. But I actually have a dark horse, too, uh, that not many people are talking about yet due to his recent legal issues. But Joshua Moore has a realistic chance to win the starting spot as a Z receiver. They used him a bit as a true freshman before the injury and uh, a little bit of trouble off of the Bills. But it sounds like he completely learned from that mistake. It was, um, can be, per se, dismissed. And not only that, but throughout the suspension last season, he was still able to participate in practice each day. Uh, so he's definitely one to watch this offseason as well. Yeah, I would say that the guys that I'm looking at, you know, you kind of touched on Jake Smith, Joshua Moore, uh, Malcolm Epps. I know that he's going to be going back to tight end uh, behind Cade Brewer with Jared Wiley, Braden Lybrock. Um, you know, so I expect Epps to go over there because, you know, that's where he was recruited out of high school. But I could see some see him playing some of the Z this year. Uh, Marcus Washington is another guy who could be out there. Uh, Kennedy Lewis it was a guy who I thought might step up this season, uh, but as we found out recently, he has actually uh, been temporarily suspended um, and to rejoin the team You know, by the time the season rolls around. So you won't see him during the spring. So I think that kind of puts him behind on some of the other guys. Uh, obviously, you got the young guys coming in. You have uh, uh, Kelvante Dixon, who is the younger brother of Keontae Ingram. Um, he won't be joining until the the, the fall, but uh, you know that's uh, that's kind of where I'm seeing who's going to be you know who's going to be there, which guys are going to be there. Um, so I, I think if I was to make my pick of my three, I'm going to go Eagles, Smith, and I get and Whittington. I know he's supposed to be playing; he's going to try off that slot, but I just feel like he's probably. He's too talented not to be on the field, and Jake Smith, with his experience from last season, I think it's hard to take him off the field there in the slot. Right, and I think they could probably use Jake Smith all over. I mean, obviously, he's a factor in the return game as well, so they'll be relying on him heavily in 2020. Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. All right, so coming up next, we are going to get into our next question. All right, Cammie, so we've talked a little bit about offensive line. We've talked about the wide receivers. And we have a question from Jake. A buddy of mine sent me this this morning. Who do you feel is going to be the starting running back by the end of the season? 
That's a great question and probably will be the most exciting position battle uh, this spring for sure between three very solid players and Keontae Ingram, Rashawn Johnson, and incoming true freshman B. John Robinson. I think though without a doubt Ingram will come into the spring as a starting running back on the depth chart due to his experience. And if he can have even just a solid spring of practices, I don't see that changing for the time being. However, I don't predict that Ingram will be the starting running back by the season's end. For example, last year we saw quarterback turn running back Roshan Johnson receive more and more touches. And honestly, at times, Johnson looked like the best back on the roster. So I don't think the starting job is necessarily secure with Ingram, but I do think at the moment that it is his job to lose. But I mean, if true freshman B. John Robinson impresses early on and lives up to the hype as the best running back in the nation from the 2020 class, I do think he will be the starting running back on the depth chart by the season's end. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You're talking about a guy who, in B. John Robinson, who, um, you know, there's a lot of hype surrounding him. I know speaking with people that went out to the Polynesian Bowl and they were covering uh, that bowl game that, that B. John Robinson was a part of, and they said that he's very much not the – not the glitz, not the glamour guy. He's he's the lunch pail guy. Puts his you know puts his head down and goes to work. And you see that um, in in every aspect of every game that he's played, especially the uh, the after season bowl games, the All American game, uh, the Polynesian Bowl game. He's a guy that's going to go to work, and I think that he's going to come in try to learn the offense under Mike Yersich. Um, you know, and and the fact that Yersich came from Ohio State where they had such a heavy emphasis on their running game with uh, J.K. Dobbins, who's going to be a top-tier draft pick this year. You know, I think that that he can be a similar style in that he'll make a huge impact. I don't know that he has the, the speed or the uh, quick moves that Dobbins has, but I think that Bijan is a guy who can come in and make those plays. You know, he's going to make impact receiving – He's going to make the impact running the ball, you know, get him in the open field. Uh, I don't think that you can necessarily discount what either Ingram did this last season or the fact that uh, Roshan Johnson changes positions, becomes the number two running back, has a great impact for the team. I mean, I think it's really going to be a three-headed monster between the three of them. Obviously, you have the incumbent starter in Ingram. You know, he, he only – he carried the ball two more times than he did a season ago with uh, much higher yards per rush. I think it was 5.9 to 5. You know, so he shows the, the steady improvement, seven rushing touchdowns. You saw what he did against Utah. Utah was very much seen as one of the top defensive teams in the nation. A lot of people thought that that defense was going to give him fits, but the uh, Texas offense was well prepared. And, and you saw what, what Ingram could do, 13 carries, 108 yards, one touchdown. He had another one receiving on a long – a long touchdown where he took the pass from Ellinger and Ellinger and ran it all the way in. So, you know, he's, he's got the talent there. Roshan's going to be involved obviously, but I agree with you. I think early on, it's going to be those two guys and slowly, but surely mixing in Bijan Robinson. Here's the thing for me. I kind of feel like Bijan Robinson is very reminiscent to Ricky Williams in that he's a West coast guy, West coast area guy. who's going to come in. Top running back in the nation, five-star recruit, um, you know, maybe not this year, but I think by the end of the year, we'll see a lot more Bijan Robinson. And then 
going into next season, I think it's really going to be a battle between Ingram and Bijan, and I'm going to give the slight edge to Bijan to take the job going into next season for the Texas Longhorns. Oh, I agree with you, and just listening to you speak, it's really apparent that Bijan has a lot to live up to, so um, hopefully that all works out for him, but like we mentioned, it's going to be a three-headed monster this season, which um, fortunately should work out for the Longhorns. Yeah, the good thing is, especially under Tom Herman, you know, he likes to run the football, you know. Uh, he likes to be able to, you know, get the passing game going, get the get the play action going, which helps in, in both aspects, not knowing if they're going to be throwing, if they're going to be running. You know, it's going to be different because obviously Herman's not making the play calls. It's going to be under Mike Yersich. So it's going to be interesting to see how he incorporates his team, how he gets everybody involved. You know, how does that affect the wide receivers? How is that going to affect the tight ends? Are they going to be a bigger impact catching the ball this season than in years past? Or is it going to be more of the same running backs, wide receivers, and then obviously running the ball with Sam Ellinger, um, you know, mixing in some some different packages. Uh, you know, what's interesting, and I know this is kind of going back to the wide receiver talk, is you have one guy in particular who can kind of do both in that you could use Jordan Whittington can line up as a wide receiver or he can come into the backfield and run. So I really think that, you know, he gives, and, you know, he's he was a top-tier prospect. He kind of gives Texas this opportunity for a for a new look that they can try to use to uh, to uh, affect, affect how a defense is going to play. Right. I think Whittington, um, they'll find a way to use them. I think primarily that's a reason um, with the running back depth being so strong that he's, he's moving over back to wide receiver. But um, it's clear they're going to find a way to get him on the a- on the field and be creative. So um, hopefully they'll find a way to use Whittington in the backfield at times, um, um, give them quite a few dump off passes and things like that. But um, hopefully they're finding or trying to attempt to find a way to use Roshan and Whittington as much as possible. So if you had to put, a, not necessarily put a number, but if you had to say, you know, we both expect that Bijan's going to be the, the starter or getting majority of the snaps by season's end, but which running back do you think is going to have the most yards running the football? Oof. I kind of want, I'll go out on a limb and say Roshan actually, because I think he's going to get a fair share of carries and just the way he looked last year with a, an actual full season under his belt. Like we mentioned, he turned from quarterback to running back. Um, I guess it's the first week. Yeah prior to the regular season last year. So he has a year under his belt. Um, he knows the scheme, things like that. So I'm actually going to give it to him. And he might he may not get as much carries as Ingram, but he just looks natural at that position, powerful. And um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, Roshan, who do you think? You know, I, I, see, I don't think that's so much a limb, because if I remember correctly, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think Roshan actually had a better yards per carry than Ingram. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you kind of have to play – Roshan a little bit different because yes he can run the football but you know if they call for it he can throw the ball I mean obviously he's a quarterback who's playing running back at the University of Texas so I think you kind of have to it's in the back of their mind like could this be a trick play so maybe they're a little more cautious on what exactly Texas might be doing in in that aspect so I think that that's a thing that kind of helps him out a little bit and kind of you know gives him a little bit of an edge there but and maybe I'm buying into the hype here, but I'm going to go with Bijan. I, I just think that the, 
seeing what he was able to do in high school at Arizona, I mean, you're talking about back-to-back seasons of over 2,000 yards rushing. I think he had over 7,000 in all four years that he was um, out there. You know, play went to state championships. It seemed like I think every season, and so you just see the the level of impact that he makes. And I just feel like he's going to bring that same style of impact to Texas, and you know, make them even more of a threat on offense. Because if if you're having trouble stopping the run, that means you're going to have trouble stopping the pass because they're going to bring so many people around the around the line of scrimmage to try and. Uh, deter you from running the football, and that's really where those wide receivers, especially Jake Smith, Jordan Whittington, those athletic guys who can get an open space and create problems, and I think that that's really where that can make an impact for everything that they're trying to do there, so I think that's going to be a big aspect of it. But uh, coming up next, we're going to get into our final questions of the day right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. All right, Cammy. Let's let's get right into it. What is our next question on Twitter Tuesday? We're actually going to switch gears a bit, and our next question surrounds Texas baseball. So they're currently sitting at number three in the Big 12 Conference behind Texas Tech and TCU. Tech is on top with an overall 11 and one record, while TCU is right behind them at 10 and one. Texas, as we know, obviously suffered two losses this past weekend in Houston but they also upset Arkansas, the number six team in the country. Oklahoma is currently sitting right behind Texas with three losses, but they also know hit LSU a few days ago. So it's obviously looking like it will be a tight race. And our next question by Matt Espinoza, he would like to know where you predict Texas baseball will be ranked going into the Big 12 tournament later this season. Ranked as in top 25 or ranked in the Big 12? Big 12. Okay, um, I think that they're going to be in a battle for that fourth or fifth spot. Uh, Texas Tech, obviously, is going to be the class of the conference, I think. You know, right now, I think the latest uh, rankings came out, top 25 rankings came out, but Baseball America on Monday, uh, Texas Tech is number two in the nation. So, obviously, they're talented. Um, they're going to be They're going to be a fight every night, I think. You talk about TCU, I think, is going to be right there. If you look at it, I think it's going to be uh, – Baylor's going to be in the mix because they have a good team every year. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas Tech. So I think it's really going to be a battle between – it might be come down to TCU, Oklahoma, and Texas for that, that fourth spot, uh, maybe even higher than that. I think Texas has the, the talent level. If you go up and down their lineup, you know, Austin Todd leading off, Eric Kennedy is a guy who – who led the team in batting average last season as a freshman, uh, Duke Ellis, uh, Cam Williams, I mean, Zach Zubia. And by the way, did, did you see that moonshot that he hit against Arkansas at the Minute Maid Park? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he absolutely rocked that. That was probably my favorite highlight of the entire weekend down in Houston. But, I mean, if he was in Austin and he hit that, it would have literally been in the tennis court. I would have loved to have seen that at the dish just so I could saw the, see the reaction of, of the fans. And, and then, I mean, but it's not like they didn't travel to Houston. It's not very far from Austin for them to come down and watch their, their favorite baseball team play. Yeah. But and then you look and it's to get back to it. I mean, I think Cam Williams, he showed some power. He hits close to the bottom of the lineup, but 
You saw that walk-off home run he, get, he hit against uh, Boise State. It was questionable whether it stayed fair or, or foul, but, you know, um, he absolutely crushed that pitch for the walk-off win. And uh, like I and I've said this before, they don't call him the hammer for nothing. Uh, talk about the pitching staff. Um, I have been really impressed by the freshman Andre Duplantier, the second. Um, he's already got a couple of saves this season, um, including the game against Arkansas. He came in and he closed that down. Um, got two. He got two strikeouts back to back to to finish that game off. Um, top of the rotation, Bryce Elder. You know, he's a he's a guy who was on the watch list for Big 12 player, uh, one of the Big 12 players of the year watch or for pitchers. Ty Madden's a good number two. And you got Coy Cobb as your number three. So they have three quality guys right there at the top. Um, you know, so I, I think that, you know, when you look at it up and down, um, they have they very much have a lot of talent. It's just is this going to be the year that David Pierce is able to put it together to get them back into the NCAA tournament? You know, can he get them back to super regionals? Can he, can, you know, can he get them into the college world series? You know, I think uh, when you look at it, I think the last few years it's been like Texas tech and TCU kind of been the guys, the teams that have, represented the big 12 in the in the biggest tournament of the year in omaha and it's just gonna be interesting to see can david pierce get texas back to where they were and so i'm just gonna say fourth i think fourth is a good spot for them uh i think uh they slightly could beat out oklahoma and and we'll find out march 20th because texas and oklahoma will kick off big 12 play against each other so that's going to be a big kind of i guess that would be kind of the measuring stick i think for where texas is I agree, and I and I do think David Pierce can get them there. I mean, a few seasons ago, or actually a couple of seasons ago, when Cody Clemens had a great year at the plate and things like that, uh, they actually made it to Omaha, but once they got there, they didn't do absolutely anything. So I think it's one of those things, um, can they be consistent and things like that. Uh, once it gets starts getting later in the season, but um, they look strong so far, so I would probably put them right around uh, four, like you said, but if I had to predict who would win the Big 12, I would probably say Texas Tech at the moment. Yeah, I think that's pretty much a, a, con, a foregone conclusion there but let's go around the horn real quick um so tonight we have two big matchups uh texas baseball will be back at the dish following that loss to missouri they will be back at the dish to take on arizona and then also let's talk basketball real quick you got big 12 player of the week andrew jones is gonna be and the longhorns taking on the oklahoma sooners in norman which game are you watching? Ooh, I have to say basketball here because it's just a crucial Big 12 matchup. Um, they need this win to stay on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. Um, I think if any type of recent history repeats itself, Texas should beat Oklahoma. Um, I know in 2016-2017 season they split. Um, Oklahoma um, beat them the first meeting and then obviously lost the second meeting. And then in 2017-2018 season, Texas actually swept Oklahoma and as you know, this season, we've already lost to Oklahoma by 10 uh, back in the beginning of January. So Texas hasn't actually been swept by Oklahoma since the 2014-2015 season 
which was Rick Barnes last season in Austin. So they've never been swept under Shaka Smart and are five and four against Oklahoma while he's been at Texas. So I think um, it's in our favorite to go ahead and win this game. We're on a four game win, win streak. We need another huge game from Andrew Jones. Like you just mentioned, he's big 12 player of the week uh, for a career high 20, 22 points against both West Virginia and Texas Tech. Um, so I'm going to pick Texas here. Yeah, I think that the uh, you're picking the basketball game as the one to watch. I think that's that's good. You know, it's it's unfortunate that you know they've kind of had to uh, rally around their coach for the um, you know the the injuries that hit him. Jericho Smith out for the season um, from you know Shock Smart said that not too long ago, um, and then obviously on Monday we found out that Jace Febris was also going to be done for the season. You know, because he is undergoing knee surgery. So, um, you know, dating back to that injury he had against Texas Tech the first time they matched up, um, Texas has gone four and two in his absence. You know, I thought it was interesting. Monday afternoon, Shaka Smart met with the media, uh, and he said that anytime you have people out, that just means everyone's got to step forward, and that includes coaches too. And I think that's that's sitting well with the team, that message, because obviously they've reacted. And I think Shaka Smart is also he has stepped up his game i mean you can't i don't think that you can win four straight against division rivals two straight against you know top 25 teams teams that are expected to compete in the ncaa tournament and to do that all by double digits i don't think you win in spite of your coach i think you actually you know the team rallied around him he's done a great job and they've done a great job and that's why i'm looking forward to seeing if they can avoid the sweep and uh, beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma is projected right now in most bracketology as one of the five Big 12 teams in. They both they have the same conference record as Texas, so if Texas pulls off this win, I think that is really going to help them make their case for the Big 12 tournament, or I'm sorry, the NCAA tournament. Yep, I agree, and it's never a bad day to beat Oklahoma, huh? It is never a bad day to beat Oklahoma in anything. And uh, all so. I'm just going to circle back real quick. Uh, we talked about baseball a little bit. Do we want to get a just a quick, who do you think is going to win the Big 12 in softball? I think I know who you're going to say, but who do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm obviously a huge Texas softball fan this season. Um, we talk about we talk a lot about uh, senior pitcher Miranda Elish, by the way. She just seems to be involved in literally every single game. But I think softball, unlike baseball, is a little more cut and dry. I think it's going to be a battle between Texas and Oklahoma. There's no doubt about that. But I do think Texas will be the number one seed in the Big 12 and potentially the number one seed in the country. Uh, they're they're definitely making their case right now. You know, but that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Longhorns. Uh, we're going to talk even more football. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to recap the basketball game, the baseball game. Um, you know, if, and if you have more questions, send them to us. You, you can reach Cammie at, on Twitter at G can reach me at Pat Sports Guy, or you can tweet us directly to the show Twitter account. It is Locked on Longhorns. It's L-O underscore Longhorns. You can find us there. We'll take your questions each and every day if possible right here on the Locked on Podcast Network, and we will see you next time. You're Locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns.